Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way around here. Thank you for joining us over at pathtozion.com or right here on our YouTube channel. Join into the comments, let us know what you think. Please show restraint and kindness because hopefully we're all on the same goal here, which has become like our Messiah so we can be found pleasing in Yahweh's sight. And so that's our goal today as we ask the question, biblically speaking alone, forget all the catchy words and all the things that make people excited, um, and ask the question, but I guess it's still hard questions. What is the what is the biblical definition of revival, and how in the world do we get there? And the only way I believe we can do this safely and correctly is to look at biblical patterns to find out how did men that preceded us become revived? What did they do, and what did um, what did all the writers and authors inspired by Yahweh Himself write down? For, as, as, as Shaul said, for what? For our teaching, for our instruction. Um, why? So that, as we read in the last episode, so that we might have hope. Okay? Paul understood that. We've, we've, that poor guy, man, if he only knew, I hope he doesn't know um, what Christian doctrine has done to, to his letters. Um, he's probably having a rough time resting right now, waiting for the culmination of the ages. But um, I'm not aware of that, so we'll stick here to, to the present moment where we live. Now, I'm well aware that, that Christianity is very quick to say, well, now we don't do all that. We just preach Christ. We don't talk about covenant. We don't talk about law and things we have to do uh, in order to please our Father. We're just, we preach Christ. I, I've already heard that, of course, through, through endless videos. Um, <laughs> but we know that that's not the case if we cling to what the Bible says alone. Um, we always, of course, present that here on the channel. If, if you watch with regularity, you know that. But proper understanding, and I'm going to submit this, it's going to seem somewhat random, but give me a minute to explain why. Um, okay, so let's go to the Jerusalem Council. And we know in the book of Acts there is all these things going on. So many people coming into the faith. So many people, what? Returning the Father's ways. They didn't know who they were. They couldn't, so many of them couldn't believe. I've been invited to, to covenantally join myself with, you know, they would say now, if we could have them here, the, the Yahweh of, of, of the Older Testament, of the Scriptures, like, I can know Him. <laughs> Me? I can do feasts. I can do Sabbath. I can, I can be a part through this, this sacrificial event of, of Yeshua, Messiah. Me? You know, do you know who I am? Um, <laughs> and they understood the identity shift that was being presented, uh, that, that, that Yeshua ushered into the earth by His coming. It, it's incredible. And so this Jerusalem council had to have this, you know, they had to have a little uh, staff meeting and talk about, well, what are we going to do with all these people? And we know it was decided that what? They were to, quote, abstain from things offered to idols, abstain from blood, abstain from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Now, this, of course, is Acts chapter 15. And, and, and why am I bringing this up? Because if we're going to talk about what we do with people who are encountering Yahweh, okay, because this question has to, be, has to be asked. Well, what are we going to do with this? As I said, I believe, in a previous episode, um, uh, you know, that, that self-proclaimed prophet, that, uh, yeah, I did talk about that in the, um, the Asbury Revival episode. This self-proclaimed prophet said that he asked Jesus, he asked Jesus, um, how are we going to steward this revival movement that, that he's going to unleash upon the earth with, with his violent love? I'm quoting him. And Jesus told him, you won't. 
you can't. <laughs> that it's going to be just like the book of Acts and you can't steward it. You can't tell people what to do. They're going to, quote, learn it on the fly. They won't need instruction. They won't need counsel. And every time he said one more word, I cringed even harder because, like, well, what do we do then with Acts chapter 15 when the Jerusalem council gave them instruction? He, they gave them direction, parameters, boundaries, things to go and begin to do. And those of us who are in, in the belief system that we are, that the, that the Bible is for us from beginning to end, today know that that this that this instruction that the Jerusalem council were were saying this is what you tell these people these dear people coming into the faith tell them to go do the heart of the torah and you know what friend just start there start there don't worry about every other thing there's a lot of things to tend to friend but go start at the very heart of Yahweh's torah why would they say that in Acts chapter 15 why would they say that if all they needed post-Pentecost if all they needed was Holy Spirit fire? Because there's something to do, friend. There's a covenant to begin to walk out now. Covenantal commitment to begin to do. So, yes, we preach Christ. Yes, of course, yes. <laughs> Many people think we don't do that now. Why? Because he perfectly walked, taught by his Father's commands, his instruction, his counsel. This is a very easy thing to grasp when, when we only use the Bible as our doctrine. Um, and not these inherited belief systems that, that Yeshua, Jesus, ushered in a new religion with, with no rules anymore. Just follow the law of liberty and love everybody. He said, love God and love your neighbor. The end. Go on. Do what you want to do, but just don't be a bad person. There's no parameters and no boundaries. And this, of course, leading to a lawless um, religion. But we're not here to talk about that today. So we'll, we'll do this quick rundown of uh, two Hebrew words I've already mentioned, hayah and shuv, okay? Uh, because, again, I believe just from my study, and I'm no scholar in any way, and somebody else could help me with this if you desire to and likely know more about it than I do. But I, be, I believe this is the best application we have scripturally for um, a proper understanding of revival and what we're really saying um, according to the word alone. Um, this would seem like a great place to start. We mentioned this in a previous episode as well. Psalm chapter 85, verses 4 through 8. Now, it speaks of Yahweh rescuing his people from captivity. We have to know context. Um, and what's he want to do? He wants to revive them. He wants to restore them. Okay? And so it says this. Will you withdraw all your wrath? Will you turn from your burning anger? They're crying out to him. Restore us, O Elohim, of our salvation, of our Yeshua. Renounce your indignation with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger from generation to generation? Will you not revive us again? Will you not um, hayah us again? So that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Yahweh, and grant us your Yeshua, your salvation. Okay, and that's why his name, his name, Yeshua, matters. And we say that on the program every time, so I won't be redundant. This is a people crying out for what? A revival, a returning. But it's specific. They're saying the name of the Most High, and they're crying out for Yeshua. They're crying out for Yeshua. Bring us, grant us, Yahweh Elohim, your Yeshua, your salvation. Will you revive us, Father? Why? Why are they in this condition? 
Why do they know Yahweh's angry? Why do they know that Yahweh has, has shown indignation with them? They know they're a stiff-necked, hard-hearted, rebellious, idolatrous people. Again, we are no different. Those people today in the buildings that are gathering and calling it revival, they're no different. You and I sitting here, you and your couch watching this or on your phone or me sitting here in this studio, we're no different. We have a challenge before us, as with the people we talked about in part one. In the days of Elijah, you have to choose between two opinions. Will you follow and declare that Yahweh Elohim is in fact your Elohim, or will you go the ways of the nations? Let's draw a line in the sand. You have to choose. This is revival. Daniel chapter 9. I believe we see a glimpse into a common biblical pattern that we're trying to establish here. Um, that's our goal. Um, of how we return to Yahweh. How do we experience re experience revival in the presence of Yahweh? How are we deemed revived by Him? So let's set up camp here and continue on this theme. Um, Daniel chapter 9, So I set my face to Yahweh to seek Him by prayer and supplications. Okay, so there is a, a set-apart activity going on. Daniel is, is choosing to, to literally silence himself and, and set his face to Yahweh to seek him via prayer and supplications. We could talk about that for 30 minutes. He's fasting. He's wearing sackcloth and ashes. He's doing something. He is, he is showing himself prepared to what? To repent, to confess. And this is what he says. Oh, Yahweh. Oh, here's the name again. A specific name, Yahweh. The great and awesome Elohim, okay? I'm being specific of who I'm talking to. Who is he? He's the one who keeps covenant and mercy with, with, with everyone. No, with those who love him and keep his commands. All I'm saying is Daniel, is Daniel chapter 9 true or not? Is it, was it true or is it true today? And we have to ask these questions. Okay, David, or Daniel rather, in chapter 9 understood this. He's confessing. He's declaring. Okay, if we want to declare, that's fine. Let's declare all day long. Let's declare like those who preceded us declared. Let's not just declare all these, all these fuzzy emotion things about calling down fire from heaven to burn up people. Let's cry out like those who preceded us did. Okay, so he continues on. He declares that, that Yahweh is the one who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him and keep his commands. He says what? We, himself included in all those in, in his life, we are guilty. We have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly. We have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and from your rulings. Okay? This is revival, friends. This is revival. I, won't, I don't want to jump through the camera and, and grab you, but friends, please listen to what the word of Elohim is saying. This is revival. This is Hayah. This is a returning to Yahweh's ways. We are guilty. We have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and from your rulings. We have become a lawless people. Fast forward to the end of the age. Lawlessness will rule the world. Lawlessness will rule Religious gatherings. People will be a lawless people. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, he goes on to say in Daniel chapter 9. Again, Shaul Paul, 
What do we have to do? We have to go back to the scriptures. We have to know the scriptures. We have to look to them. Why? So that we might have hope. Because what was written before was written for our instruction. The encouragement of the scriptures gives us hope. Paul knew that. Man, he knew that. It would do us well to spend a few more moments discussing words in their proper use. As we've mentioned, of course, twice now, um, specifically, Hayah. Let's get to that one. Well known throughout the text in Ezekiel. Um, this word Hayah is all over the book of Ezekiel. Um, when we read about the dry bones that the prophet saw, it pops up. Oh, and here's the thing. When, when, when the prophet asks, can these dry bones live? He's asking, can they hayah? Can the dry bones hayah? Okay, this is very, very important. And this is where, if you're not careful, you're going to be like, see? See, we prophesied the dry bones thing last night at our gathering. Or, or at the revival meeting last year. Yeah, yeah, we were crying out and repeating the words of Ezekiel. Dry bones live, dry bones live. But friend, I'm going to hurt your feelings if you believe that's how we use that because that's very, very bad interpretation. Why? Well, preceding this, the promise of Hayah, of Hayah to uh, live, to come to life, is found throughout the prophet's writings. And we see this uh, several times. Chapters 18 and 33, it's all over. Um, some examples. Chapter 33 of Ezekiel 14, 15, and 16. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, yet he turns from his sin and does what is just and right. What is just and right? Is that for me and you to determine? What is just and right and how do we know? How do we know? Okay, let's simplify. How did Ezekiel know what was just and right? If the wicked restores a pledge, gives back what he had taken by robbery, if he walks in the laws of life, if he's found committing no iniquity, he will not just live, not just hayah, but he will live, live. Okay, this is a Hebrew thing. It, it, it's, it's, it's purposely redundant to say, look, pay attention, look right here. I'm telling you twice, he will live, live, he will not die. Verse 16. None of his sins that he has committed will be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right, and he will surely live. He will hayah. Okay, so again, we I believe we could rightly say he would be revived. And revived would be all these things we just talked about. He will be deemed right in the eyes of Yahweh if, if he does these things. Okay, this continues in verse 19 where we see hayah appear again. When a wicked person turns from his wickedness and does, and does what is lawful and right, he shall thereby, because he does those things, because he does something, he will thereby live. He will, haya. he will be revived to life. Okay, friends? Do you understand that now in Yeshua Messiah, this exact same pattern has come to us in the new covenant? The exact same way. <laughs> Turn from what is evil. Turn from sin. Turn from the ways of your fathers. Turn away from and unto. Un turning away from is not enough. I say that all the time. We're not just called to turn away from. We're called to turn unto. And when I turn unto the face of my king, I am, of course, also equally turning away from everything that is not him. Okay? One act produces Two results, okay? I don't think that's complicated. 
Now, this is also found in the prophecy about how um, Yahweh cared for his chosen people, Jerusalem, um, even in their harlotry in, in chapter 16 of Ezekiel. Verses 5 and 6 say this, No eye pitied you enough to do any of these things to you out of compassion. Instead, you were cast out in the open field, for you were detested on the day you were born. When I passed by you and saw you kicking in your blood, I said to you, In your blood, live. Hayah. Yes, it's repeated. Yes, I said to you, in your blood, live. We know, most of us know, probably the, this, this very descriptive um, event of, of the condition of this, of this newborn who's just abandoned and in this horrible condition. And Yahweh talks about taking them up into himself and cleaning them and washing them and, and caring for them despite their condition. And what does he say? He says, in that condition, live. It's a cry from the Father's heart. I want you to live. I want you to return to me. I want you to come and allow me to hold you. What do we have throughout the entire word of Elohim? These images of, I'm your shelter, I'm your shade. Come into the shadow and covering of my wings and stay here. But friends, if you're going to stay here, there are things you must do to remain here with me because I am holy. I am kadosh and I am set apart and I'm calling you. And I'm also equally enabling you to be as I am. Be holy as I'm holy. Holy is set apart, consecrated, distinct, different. Be like me, friends, and then I'm going to extend myself through a law of living, a code of living that allows you direction and counsel and instruction so that you can de be deemed what? Right and just in my sight. And guess what? And then I'm even going to give myself in human form through an obedient son named Yeshua, which says Yahweh is salvation. And he's going to empower you and Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to walk as obedient covenant sons. Friends, we are not just talking about getting saved or having a feeling at a gathering. We're talking about something supernatural, but not like, oh, supernatural. I mean like in here, a dead man coming to life, dead in sin, made alive through Messiah Yeshua who declares, Yahweh, my Father, is salvation. And friends, this is serious business, and we need to address it as so. And so when these people pop on their cameras and they're like, I just feel so awesome. I couldn't stop having goosebumps. And if anybody's out there asking questions about this, you'll never know revival. I get angry because this is a holy king. And he has extended covenantal ways for a covenantal people to join themselves with. And friends, that's revival. This is revival. This means so much to me. I want people to understand and consider what the Word tells us. It means to be revived. We, of course, have the primary Ezekiel text that we're most familiar with from chapter 37 about the dry bones. This is a perfect segue. I believe this is what the Spirit is revealing to anyone who would listen right now. We've got to remember that these prophecies were coming to Ezekiel for a broken, exiled people. Chapter 27, 11 through 14 makes it crystal clear that we cannot errantly handle these prophecies and make them about what we call revival or about people getting saved. The dead bones coming back to life, which is Hayah, 
are a picture of the exiled people being brought back into the land of Israel and placed in their own land. We in Messiah have been extended this same covenantal invitation to be joined into the promise made to Israel themselves. That's the grafted in reality. That's the gospel, friend. That's the gospel. I'm sorry. Becoming a covenantal people that we should never be allowed into. Sadly, Christianity has hijacked this text for revival gatherings, glory meetings, encounter-based um, events, and made it about being saved or branding something a move of God. This is horrible interpretation. We're going to talk about that in just a minute in more fullness. Because the dry bones reality is not about people getting saved. We can't just pray that in a gathering and assume we can make it whatever we want. Just like Peter's vision. <laughs> I'm going to touch on this because it has to be, this makes a point so crystal clear. If you're willing to listen to the Bible and not your, your doctrine you've been handed. That's what we have to all, we're all wrestling with that in our own ways. We know that. I'm not going to go into it. The sheet descending and animals on it and people in Christianity say that's why we can eat whatever we want now. A I'm using it as an example of a misappropriation. Even though, even though we know Peter said, quote, Acts 10, verse 19, Yahweh has shown me that I should call no man unholy or unclean. Even though, even though we're told that it was about men and not animals, it's been branded a verse to justify eating a bacon sandwich. Likewise, why do I say that? Because this Ezekiel text, we're talking about what is being revived. What is Hayah? What is revival? We're clearly told in Ezekiel what he was seeing. Okay? We are told word for word, black and white, this dry bones prophecy is about X. Why? So that people like the prophet... So like the people who heard it in Ezekiel's day, so the people like us here thousands of years removed will understand the vision. <laughs> Verse 7, chapter 37. He's prophesying. Um, there's an earthquake. Um, Prophesy, son of man, say to the spirit, thus says Yahweh Elohim, come from the four winds, breathe upon the slain that they may live. So he prophesied just as he was commanded. The Spirit comes into them and they lived. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. But is this about Holy Spirit fire on random people in a gathering at a college? No. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not about me and you in our living rooms singing worship songs. No. They stood up on their feet. They became a vast army. I've been a part of, of gatherings where people are like, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bring a vast army. We're the vast army. Verse 11, friends, so Yahweh said to me, Ezekiel the prophet, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Oh, man, it's the whole house of Israel. It's not us. It's the whole house of Israel. And this is why it's important. If you don't think you are as Israel, not for you, not for you. I'm not Israel. I'm not a Jew. Well, then throw out the Ezekiel dry bones prophecy, friend. It's not for you. Stop praying it in revival gatherings. This is hard, I know. This is the word of Elohim. It slices and dices us. 
It tears away our traditions of men doctrine that we've been handed in Christianity. That is what it does. Or at least what it would desire to do if we let it do its work. So, son of man, these dry bones, they are the whole house of Israel. Oh, that changes everything. This is about covenant. This is about becoming a covenantal people who walk in Father's ways. How when His presence moves, they move. They're sojourners. And when it stays, they stay. Oh, man. Oh, oh, that's what they meant when Paul wrote that letter about that. Oh, this. Oh, covenant. Oh, oh, Jerusalem council. Oh, covenant, covenant, covenant. <laughs> so clearly, this is not a text we can hijack and apply to things like revival in a Christian context, okay? This does not fit if we properly apply the word of Elohim through Ezekiel the prophet. It is specific, and it is clear. We're going to stop now, and we'll go to part three. I'm going to try to conclude it, okay? As we talk about what? Biblical revival. What in the world is it? Friend, the only people who are going to watch this is people who are ready to receive a hard word. And again, the biblical pattern of revival is... A leader or a prophet speaks a word of correction via, thus saith Yahweh Elohim. A people receive it for what it is. They fall prostrate and repent. They turn away from their wickedness and idolatry and the ways of the nations and the traditions of their fathers. And they, and they declare and rejoice, Yahweh is our Elohim. And we choose yet again to covenantally join ourselves with him. Friends, that's biblical revival. What is it? That's biblical revival. We're going to try to put a bow on this in part three right after this. Come back if you can take some more. I want the word of Elohim to tell me what is and what is not, and everything else can go. Everything else, that's what needs burned, is our own opinion and our own doctrine that we've inherited that does not line up with the word of Elohim. So, friends, if you can take it, if you can take a switch on the behind, I can too. Let's do it. Let's find out what biblical revival is. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way, and friend, it's a way to walk that's narrow. It's constrictive, but we're going to walk it, empowered by Holy Spirit, through the pattern of Yeshua the Son, who's already walked that way, and we're going towards a land that's yet before us that I can't quite find here, because it's something yet to discover. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>